We have so many stories in our lives, but our stories are not always heard. On the Hear My True Story podcast, we tell our own true stories. Before the white car backed, our head teacher had scattered. Looking at him, I could only see his tie that was flying backwards, waving at us, and he disappeared in thin air. I want to share my life story. I want to share my voice with the people because I know that uh, just a small joke I can tell through this, this podcast, it will make someone smile. When you ask me what I fear most in life, I would definitely respond to you and say it's fear itself. We are fighting for togetherness. We are fighting for equal rights. We are fighting to end injustice. You don't have to be a storyteller or writer because, guess what? Life writes the best stories. Hear my true story. Yeah, that's not only the training, it's also the media. If you want to know, the media is, is, is showing us always um, when there's a crime, mm. they distinguish if if this crime has been committed by uh, people of color or not. And uh, often they say they they only they only mention if if there's a people of color who has committed a crime, and uh, they don't mention when the crime has been committed by a white person. This is your favorite time of the week with your number one, one podcast. Hear my true story. Yo, how are dear listeners? Welcome to Hear My True Story podcast. It is me, your host, Otako. This is quite a special podcast where we tell our own stories, where we invite people to share their own experiences, where we talk about very important issues and where we promote understanding of some of these issues. So today's episode, we dive deep into the topic of racial profiling. Well, as you Maybe no, my dear listeners, that racial profiling impacts countless individuals, you know. But it is important to remember that discussions about it shouldn't be limited to those directly affected. In this episode, we have a thought-provoking conversation with our guest, who comes from the, a very privileged majority community in Germany, while our guest hasn't experienced racial profiling firsthand, they have reflected on the issue and offer a unique perspective. Together we explore their journey of understanding misconceptions they have encountered and steps they have taken to be an ally to fighting racial profiling here in Germany. We will discuss the systematic nature of racial profiling, effective strategies for addressing it and the responsibilities white individuals have in dismantling it. Our goal in today's episode is to foster an open dialogue, you know, to foster an open, reflective thought to someone who is listening to this wonderful episode and also to go deep so that they can understand deeply the positive change that they can bring to support those who are being affected by racial profiling. So, my dear listeners, before 
wasting your time, I would like to say get ready that we do explore this important issue in our conversation with our special guest on today's episode. This week's special guest on your favorite podcast. Hear my true story. So, you are welcome on this wonderful podcast. Hear my true story. Uh, before I start with the conversation, I would like you maybe to introduce yourself to our dear listeners so that they get to understand who are they listening to and who is behind the computer and that microphone. You can Thank use... you very much, uh, um, Otako. Mm. My name is Gundi and I'm from Hamburg. Um, I'm a white person, if you want to. Uh, describe it and I uh, live here uh, with my 10 year old son I'm a mother I'm I'm um, alone with my son and uh, um, I'm educating my son all on my own and um, we are living here in St. Pauli which is a, a, a near close to St. Pauli which is a the uh, touristic area of uh, the red light district, also the so-called red light district um, of Hamburg. And it's also called district, uh, a dangerous district, but we we hear about this later. So I live close to this district and my son is going to school in this district and in the St. Pauli school and uh, elementary school and me i'm working in a ngo uh, and in a ngo who's working with um, human rights defenders before i start i just want to ask you a simple question yeah so being a white person and then you have a story to share yeah you 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 have a moment that you would like to share that made you to reflect on racial profiling despite being from the privileged majority community of people who live here in German. How did yes. this, I mean, how did this, did this experience impact your understanding this topic, racial profiling? Um, well, actually, I'm a very politically uh, uh, educated person, but um, racial uh, profiling uh, uh, came up to me uh, when my son started to go to school, or maybe uh, maybe I saw it uh, even before. But uh, in the next, in the last. Uh, Six months, I I uh, observed about three really uh, clear racial profiling situations uh, close to my son's place, where where my son was playing football, or where my son is going to school, or when I got, uh, went with my son to a place in an in, in an S bahn. So it was there was at least three situations um, who were very close to my uh, son. And so it came up 
uh, as a very uh, as a as a as a very very close uh, thematic to me. And before that, I already took part in in a group that's called uh, it's a cop watch group because um, where my son is going to school, it's a so-called dangerous zone um, where people are where where there's some drug dealing going on. So um, the police is supposed or has the uh, right to go there and to uh, to uh, watch this the the place and to uh, uh, to control um, people and uh, mostly control people of color. And um, there's a group uh, from university, from uh, and also from a social social center and the, and the sir and the church who's there in the same place where my son is going to school who's watching what's going on and who in the street is to be controlled by the police or by um by the uh, civil police by the uh, so-called cv police so um and then I started to watch uh, things going on around me. And then I started to uh, be clear that, or be, be conscious that uh, people who are controlled around me were always people of color. Also before, when I remember situations in, in, in the public uh, transport or just in, in, in public places, there were always uh, people of color being controlled for nothing. And I, I, I got back and I remembered that even when I was taking the train to Switzerland, uh, going out of the Schengen, um, Schengen space, the controllers came in and they didn't control me as a white person, but they controlled my neighbor or always who was the people of color. Or... So I started to realize that uh, it's going, it's getting worse. The, the situation for people of color in, in this uh, society now is getting worse because it's accumulating. I, I observe so many situations i i don't know if you as a person if you have had a chance to talk with some people who have been affected by this racial, racial profiling and and how has that influenced your perspective of reflect being reflective yeah usually the people are very afraid um because uh well i can my my there's two stories i really uh, i really think that touched my my son and embarrassed my son also were uh, usually at 15:30 every child is is leaving the school uh, building and the school building is in the middle of the street the so, so the so called dangerous zone where uh, uh, police is controlling 
people uh, supposed to, uh, who are supposed to, uh, drug dealers. And um, there's a kind of uh, convenience that the drug dealers, if they, are, they were drug dealers, um, don't come up uh, before school ends. <laughs> Or don't come up before uh, before seventeen uh, thirty uh, in the evening. I don't know. But then, but then one day it was fifteen thirty, and the same civil police uh, run uh, behind uh, four people of color, and they were chasing them just in the street where the children were coming out of school. So my son came out of school and he saw the situation. And then he saw that there were four uh, young uh, people of color uh, through, thrown against the wall, the school, uh, uh, beneath the school building. And then he, he went there and he, as the only child, the others didn't recognize that, as the only child, and he said, what's going on here? Uh, this is one of my friends. Uh, what has he done? Why are you uh, using violence again? Why are you so violent against him? And so the supposed friend of my son said, yeah, I didn't do nothing. I was just here. I live here. Because people uh, have a housing, um, there's a squad who gave housing to um, the people uh, coming, uh, or the people who have no uh, possibility to get easy, easy uh, an apartment in Hamburg because they have no chance to work there, and you know there's the right, uh, uh, the residential right. If you are calling for asylum, yeah. So this is the situation of the supposed friend of my son. So he was asking the police, "Why does this happen now?" And then the police said, "You have to go. You have to go." He said to me, "You have to go now because things are maybe getting uh, uh, un uncomfortable for your son." And so I said, no, I, I just that that's the reason why I stay because I want to know what's going on, and I don't and I I don't understand the situation. Uh, what are you going to do there? And then they said, okay, we are going to check the papers now because this is a dangerous so zone. Mm. Okay, and then and then I asked somewhat uh, some other person to to stay with me or to stay with us, and but then. Usually uh, they, and then the, the situation was, he shouted at me, the policeman, so I, I was um, afraid. And so I thought, okay, if, if, if the situation is getting worse for me and my son, we have to leave uh, because I don't want my son to be involved in such a violent situation. And I asked the, the other uh, person to stay there and to observe thing, things, 
what's going on. And so he said, yes, uh, don't be afraid. I'm going to film it. Usually what they do, they check the papers and um, they check the papers of the people and they they take them to the uh, to the police station. Um, and then the papers, usually the problem is that they have no residential rights in Hamburg because many are coming from the countryside or whatever. From Maybe so some are coming from the south because they have friends here, but they are not supposed to be here uh, because they have the residential right, duty, to be stay in the Bundesland, in the district where they came to. Then this would, would be the reason for the police to uh, give them a warning and say that the next time that they, they, uh, they, they caught them, it would be uh, a reason for them to get no asylum in the other place where where they live. And and usually when I have time and I'm on the street, I I I ask the people who would be controlled to accompany them to go to go with them to the police station, so that the police can't can't be so violent to them. Most of them are very or the people I accompanied to the police station, they are always a little bit shy. So they they have they are afraid even of me because they don't know if if when I offer to, to accompany them, maybe I could be uh, undercover uh, cop too, you know. This is the yeah. problem. Maybe that this could be the cop problem too. And the other situation I came into was uh, last Friday mm. when my son my son was at the, at the football uh, place at the uh, football uh, place where he he's uh, doing his training and um, then uh, into the field uh, there were three uh, uh, cops undercover cops running uh, behind. Uh, another uh, people of color and really shouting at him and putting him into the corner, putting putting him to his knees. And uh, there were three people uh, kneeing uh, uh, around his neck. Uh, so he was really afraid too. And, and they treated him very bad. And I... Uh, when when we as as the people standing um, there were people coming and talking uh, trying to talk to this undercover cops, the cops start to shout at at the group, and they are they are like uh, on adrenaline. I don't know. They are very very stressed, so they they don't um, they don't answer. Uh, in a in a normal way, and they don't tell if we ask for the name and if we ask for the um, for the police station um, number, they don't tell us. They just run away and they take they 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 take the person uh, fast with them and they 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 are they go away with the person. So. I think there's uh, 
it's yeah. not good. It's not good what's happening yeah. there uh, in the society. It's even uh, every day, it's more. There's more stress, and I I, I feel more uh, violence uh, of people who are weather controlling in the in the trains mm. or controlling in public spaces uh, places or even controlling in, in, in places where children are. And I don't know how children could feel themselves safe in this society if even the police is violent against people. Oh. I mean, like, um, when you shared that situation that happened and then your son went in to approach yeah, the, yeah. the police, I think there's something that... Your son did that most people don't do is to go in and confront what's happening. I think that I would say it's really nice to hear that a young person, a child, understands that no way. Why are these people running after a friend? And I, I want to know. And that's really, really, really nice from my my perspective as a a BPOC person living in German. It makes me feel strong when someone comes up to ask a question, why is this happening to me? Because most times when people like me are stopped and we we, we don't have someone coming in, sometimes it makes us feel like we, we need support, but we can't get that support right away. And then we are in the position where we don't know whether we are right or we are in a wrong situation. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now. Hear my true story. And then if someone comes up this and says, okay, please, what's happening? We want to know what are you going to do to, do to this person. That's really nice. I mean, also the offer you offer someone to take them to the police if they are willing and then they are shy is this, that if police is racial profiling people, is aggressive to people, then people don't trust the people who look like the policemen. Yeah, not like dressed up as policemen, but if you're someone, you're a minority, you're a person of color, and you're being confronted by undercover police who are not of your community, then you can't know between the two whether who is a genuine citizen willing to support me and who is also a police person willing to take advantage of my situation of being one, a minority person from a minority group or a minority community, then I sometimes have such fears. As a person, I would have that kind of like, who do I trust? But again, when I feel like someone says, okay, no, let's take the step and go there and we hear what they're saying for this person. That's, I find that as a person from my position, I find it good. I'll come back and say, wow, there are some nice people. So that I don't take it as like no one is willing to understand my situation. So I, I would say that's really nice to hear that a young person, your child, I mean, you take initiatives to really find out what's happening. But then that brings me to another question. I don't know whether it is a question or it's not a question. And I don't know whether it is the system that it's in the system or is it trained in the academies of the police the, or maybe the house building where they do that oh if you watch or you see a group of people of color or a group of migrants you need to intervene i don't know 
Yeah, I, this is a good question because I, 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 I'm curious about that also. Mm. I think um, the profile of people being elected to be uh, uh, undercover uh, police, whether an undercover police or a controller uh, in the S-Bahn or in the, in, in, uh, in the uh, public transport, is often a profile of a person who is very frustrated or who, who must be frustrated, I don't know, because people are so so tense and have so much stress. They they seem as if they they take drugs like in the in in uh, drugs like I imagine soldiers took when they were uh, in uh, Vietnam. Mm. But there's so much pressure in them. I don't know why they don't they can't react. Uh, calm anymore these people and so they have they they maybe they have a kind of uh enemy in their head and this enemy must be uh migrants or must be the people who 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 are different in the first view I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, also I don't know, but but I think I don't know. I mean, this is my own thinking. Yeah, because when like uh, when I come to German and then I'm, I'm I'm seated, for example, in a class where I'm training to be, for example, I'm training to be a pre-educator. Yeah, and then when when I find that we are learning about how to integrate, you know, how to integrate mm-hmm. people with migration background and then you find stories that are given to you that have a negative that have negative prejudices you get that so with these uh, prejudices that are brought in these stories to work upon them you find that all these stories all, all these cases that we have to work with have a negative prejudice and is attached to either the name is not German name. If it's a crime, they bring an example of a crime, but with someone with the background of migration. And at the end of the day, you end up feeling like, okay, maybe if I'm implementing my work as a profession in what field I am, these are the cases that I'm going to expect to meet. Yeah, that's not only the training, it's also the media. If you want to know, the media is, is, is showing us always um, when there's a crime, mm. they distinguish if if this crime has been committed by uh, people of color or not. And uh, often they say they they only they only mention if if there's a people of color who has committed a crime, and uh, they don't mention when the crime has been committed by a white person, for example. Yeah. They they don't they don't tell this. And so yeah, this is I think the society is is uh is also in these 
kind of prejudice uh, profiling. If uh, um, they are also educated by media, but this is the special thing about what the the example of my son because my son uh, he is ten year old and I think many of the age of my son they don't have the they don't they 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 don't have these stereotypes in their head produced by um by media or by uh by education because nowadays i think i hope things change um yeah. but there, maybe there's a point of return when they get into into a special kind of educational branch where and they they start to see media uh, or the 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 so-called um, uh, trivial media who are who haven't changed they 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 all work with stigmatization of people of groups yeah so and then uh, that brings me to a question you talked about of course you have this has been inspired by the the story that your son you, the moment the situation that experienced your son to approach a friend being racial profiled yeah then i come to ask you you as the parent have you had a conversation with that with your son that was sparked by the situation to talk about this topic it's a big topic quite difficult for some parents how do you deal with it i mean you yeah i talk about uh i talked about this or i talk and whenever we saw a situation like that we talk about it and in this situation um the story i told you uh, around the school um he was very 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 uh, embarrassed and he said that he uh, that um he he thinks the police is bad so that he said that they they this is these are um these people are very very bad because they are so violent against a friend of him and against people uh who um because i i told him about why i said that the system is also uh uh is difficult for these people because they have no chance to work because um when i talked to the police i said why are you doing that you know that the system is is, is the fault that people can't work so why are you controlling them this is a um this is a uh uh vicious circle your 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 um feeding a vicious circle if you control these people and you and and then my son asked about the situation the situation of these people and and I said yes they have no they have no right to work here in the country uh because they are waiting for asylum and it's not uh it's not uh clear that they get asylum because the state doesn't uh, or is working so slowly to um to to uh accept their asylum and 
yeah, I try to to talk about uh, asylum, migration, and the right of asylum. But I think at ten years old, he's still a, a little bit too small to get the points. You know, I may not think so because children understand what we think that they don't understand. By the time mm-hmm. they realize that my friend of my age is being chased over by police, why? Mm-hmm. You get that. So they understand why. Then we as adults, we think you did the right thing. You talked with him about these yeah. big issues with a simple language to understand. Yeah. But then we fear, we as adults, we fear to, 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 to speak about it, not just only for the white parents or white caretakers, but also for the people of color and also BPO's people may fear to express or to explain the situation to these young ones why this is happening and why it goes on like this. Yeah, and the, the main thing is that I encouraged him. I said, this was very, very good that you are, were able to stay calm and you continued your questions about what was happening. Yeah. Because he he was really insisting. He said, but why? Tell me why this is happening. And then the police got louder and louder and louder. And then in one moment I took uh, him from the situation. But uh, I took him from the situation also because me, I get I get so nervous with, with such violent situations that I become very, very uh, aggressive, aggressive also because I'm helpless in these situations. Uh, I'm I'm so emotional that um, I have to really uh, control myself not to be uh, to shout at the police or to to say things I could I shouldn't say or you know mm. because this wouldn't be so so this wouldn't be so good for my son <laughs> to yeah. learn that I'm 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 helpless you know yeah. but I am helpless. I always, um, I can't stay cool uh, for many minutes, you know. I ha- Okay, some five minutes I can stay cool, and, and, and if I have time I can accompany people to the police station yeah. and, be, uh, and stay calm. But if there's a, a situation like that, people chasing and uh, shouting and being really, really aggressive against, other people so i i i I really i'm like my um my blood is my pressure is is my blood pressure is high and i'm really 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 anxious in this situation so i can't i can't help uh sometimes i can't help very very good the people uh in danger because i i i put myself into danger to be uh, to do, not stay calm, so I maybe I, I put people into danger because I get violent against police, you know. Yeah, because you feel you you are informed, you are really reflective about the situation, how police handle these cases, mainly targeting the minority groups. But what I would like to say is that your son's action was is the best thing that a person can do for anyone that they find that is in such a situation to ask these questions. Of course, police moves into the defensive mode because they feel, they realize that they are 
racist at that point and then they feel like okay how do we feel like we are not losing our you know our power because when you find someone stressing like that, the police shouting to a small kid of 10 years that means there's a problem in the system yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because we as we learn me when i learn working with children is to speak to them because they have questions they need the answers simple not shouting to them because it doesn't help you need to, they want the answers it's very simple you find a kid of um three years and they ask you a question and you have to answer the question and you, if you shout to them then you are not helping them you are not helping the society the best thing is to help the society but then that goes back to the system that's my understanding if the police cannot answer 10 year old very well then that's the system yeah but i'm very very astonished because every time this happens to me they the police men are about or even women about 20, from 20 uh, between 25 and 35 years old and i ask myself how could they dare to speak in such a way with children also and how could they uh are they not ashamed themselves to uh to 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 give such a an image of of the police because um usually i thought also um children have to be uh, have the right to to seek the police to go to the police when they are in danger because they they could there could be some people uh some other people or some sexual abuse or whatever you know and they they are, they don't dare to, to to go to the police because people uh, police are shouting at, at them I, i don't know you know there's a, a big problem in society if 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 even the police is not even uh, educated yeah i mean the, the police need is supposed to be educated on almost everything that we have in society yeah from rights of children you know they they are informed but you know this when we, i don't know that section of the police but sometimes i feel if children ask us questions they should be answered that's the only thing i feel whether what profession someone is because that's a question needs an answer make sure to follow us on twitter hear my true stories wow because of time we cannot continue beyond now so my dear listeners thank you so much for listening to this wonderful episode on the issue of racial profiling I'm so happy that we have been able to tackle to talk about issues that really matter in our society and I'm so happy that our guests shared wonderful stories, wonderful experiences that maybe you learned something from them. Maybe you got to learn how do I talk with children about racial profiling? How do I intervene to support someone who is directly affected by racial profiling although I am not directly affected by it. So these are some of the things that perhaps you enjoyed in this wonderful conversation. However, in part two of this same conversation on racial profiling, we shall try to answer certain questions like maybe 
how do you hold conversations with individuals who experience racial profiling? How do you navigate discussions with other individuals who have not directly been affected by racial profiling? And maybe you also get to know what are the responsibilities of people who are not directly affected by racial profiling. For example, the white individuals, how can you contribute to dismantling the issue of racial profiling in our society, in our systems? So my dear listeners, join us for part two as we explore these topics providing insights and actionable steps for combating racial profiling. I believe that together as individuals, we can bring about positive change in our communities, regardless of what action you take. And for that reason, I'd like to say thank you, my dear guest. It has been me, Otako, and Kundi. I'd like to say bye for now. I hope to have you again next week on the same podcast. Hear my true story. We not only have voices for a podcast, but also faces for YouTube. Don't miss your next episode. Hear my true story. Thank you for listening to our podcast music by Edwin Matovo hosted and produced by Otako. Subscribe to our podcast for more stories and visit us on our website hearmytruestory.com for more stories. All the links are listed in the show notes of this podcast.